If you've been with us the last few weeks, we've looked at Elijah, Hannah, Gideon, Jabez, and today, Daniel. And uh, we saw Elijah's breakthrough step of obedience and Hannah's breakthrough intercessory prayer. We've seen Gideon's breakthrough method of warfare and Jabez's breakthrough refusal to be defined down. Boy, I could preach on that one again. We had people transformed from that message. I'm just telling you, they were. We had one lady who left weeping, crying her eyes out, called her husband and said, you know, I was so defined down for so many years. She had come out of a relationship years ago that beat on her and, and criticized her and just defined her down where she had begun to believe it. And as we talked about how Jabez refused to be defined down, she got set free, called her husband long distance and said, I've been set free. Uh, so we need to hear about breakthroughs because we serve a God who brings breakthrough. A breakthrough is when God comes through for you and does something that if he doesn't do it, it's not going to happen. But we serve a God of breakthrough and he breaks through for you and I. He does things that only God can do. He only doeth wondrous things. Now we're going to see about a great breakthrough today that virtually everybody in here has heard about, Daniel in the lion's den. And I'm jumping right in the middle of the story. And this is after Daniel has been delivered. And it says that Daniel answered the king because the king has said, Daniel, has God delivered you? And Daniel speaks out of the lion's den and says, long live the king. My God sent his angel who shut the lion's mouths. They haven't touched me because I was judged innocent before my God. Lord, thank you for your word today. I pray for those who are in their own den of lions that they'll be delivered today and receive your strength in that den. And though the lions are there, they will not be eaten. They will not be hurt or harmed in any way. Thank you, Lord, for this testimony of breakthrough for a man who chose you over himself in the hour of persecution. Now, can you breathe a prayer, church, and say, In my own lion's den, I receive deliverance. And thank you, Lord, for a breakthrough today. Amen. Amen. Thank you. You can be seated. And let me talk to you about this. Bring you up to speed just a little bit. Daniel went through three different kings. He survived three different kings. And Darius was the king of the Medes and the Persians. And Darius uh, was like a lot of these kings who, who was not necessarily the brightest bulb in the room. Because Darius appointed 150 sort of overseers in his kingdom and over those 150 he appointed three men Daniel was one of the top three and Daniel always wound up in that position he always wound up promoted in a, a, a situation where you wouldn't even imagine that he would be and, you know you look at Joseph and others in the Bible where God uh, led them into a foreign kingdom amongst a foreign people a strange language and a strange people, and yet they ended up being highly promoted. Because when God wants to promote you, nothing's going to stop it. So here's 
Here's Daniel. He's one of the top three over the 150 over the entire kingdom. And then word begins to spread that the king is considering putting Daniel over all of them. Well, when they heard about that, they didn't like it. They didn't like the idea, the, the other two and the 150, that this man was going to, this Daniel, this, this uh, uh, outsider, was going to oversee them. Now, I think there might have been a little bit of anti-Semitism involved here because they were Gentiles and Daniel was Jewish. And anti-Semitism always seems to find a way to raise its ugly head, as it is in our day today. And so there might have been a little bit of anti-Semitism, but mainly it was envy and it was jealousy because of the favor of God on his life. And you can mark it down. If God favors you, somebody's going to be looking at you with the green eyes. When you get favored and you get promoted, there's always somebody that doesn't want to rejoice with you, doesn't want to be happy with you. They don't like that you got promoted. Why not them? Why wasn't it them instead of you? But he was promoted. And so as the word spreads, this is what's going on, and he might get promoted, they, they look for a way to bring ill repute to Daniel, to bring him down with a bad report. Well, they look at his personal life, and they can't find a thing. The man is flawless. He loves God. He walks with God. He's loaded with integrity. There's nothing about him that they can find to point to and take a bad report to the king about him. And so they have to use the one thing they have seen that is a constant in Daniel's life. And that's his devotional life. He had a devotional life with God that you could not, that he, he, he would not walk away from, he would not deviate from. He prayed three times a day. He prayed to God. He trusted God. He looked to God. He walked with God. He sought God. So they began to see, well, there's only one thing we can get him in trouble for, and that's his prayer life. What a great thing for somebody to find out about you and me. The only thing they, we can get in trouble for is our prayer life. So they targeted his prayer life, and they went to this king, who, like I said, was not the brightest bulb in the room, because if I'm him, and I have a group of men coming to me with what they came to him with, I'm immediately suspicious. But they came to him and said, oh, king, you're wonderful. You're incredible. And they just inflated his ego and fed his ego and said, we encourage you to release an edict that says this, if anybody prays to any other god but to you, O king, for 30 days, they will be thrown into a den of lions. Now I hear that, and I send out investigators. But not this guy, because he's so full of himself. He says, you know, that's a great idea. They shouldn't be praying to anybody but me. And so... He signs this edict, and the edict is, if anybody prays to any other god but me for 30 days, they're going into the lion's den. Well, word came to Daniel, and here's what Daniel said. No way, Jose. We're in Texas, right? He said, there's no way. I'm not going to do it. There's no way that I'm going to pray to anybody else but my god. There is no way that I'm going to bow to this. And so he knew in making that decision, he was looking at a, a den of lions. I wonder how many people in the church today, if given that choice, 
would look for a way out. This was an hour of persecution. You remember Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego faced the same thing. Nebuchadnezzar built a great gold statue and said anybody that does not bow and pray and worship this statue when the trumpets blow is going into not a den of lions but a burning fiery oven. And Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego said to him, O king, we're not going to do it. We will not bow to any other God but our own God, the real God, the God, Jehovah God. And if God delivers us in the oven, so be it. But if he doesn't, that's okay. We trust our God. And they were thrown into the oven. Same thing. It was an hour of persecution. It was breakthrough time for Daniel. If God doesn't break through for me, I'm going to be the next meal the lions eat. Now, folks, we've been raised on this story. And we've, most everybody in here has heard the story of Daniel and the lions, Dan. Seen paintings of it. Daniel standing there and lions looking at him with their mouths shut. But I want, I want to just take it out of any possibility of you thinking that it's a fairy tale or a fable or a story designed to make a point. This is no fairy tale. It's not a fable. A real man named Daniel, who was a Jew in captivity to the Babylonians, was thrown into a den of real lions who had been purposely starved to be used as executioners. Food was withheld from them so that when somebody was put in there, they didn't last long. They were starving. These lions weighed in at about 500 pounds of raw killing power. Israeli lions starving. We don't know how many there were, but there must have been an awful lot of lions because we see at the end of the story, when you read the end of Daniel chapter 6, those that turned on Daniel and tried to get him thrown in the den of lions, who hatched that evil plan, all of them with their families were thrown into the den of lions after Daniel was taken out. And the Bible says they were eaten alive before they hit the bottom of the den. It was real. Now as for the den that the lions were in, archaeologists tell us that it was most likely a cave in the side of a hill and it had two openings. One opening was at the mouth of the cave. And over this opening, they placed a stone, much like the stone that was rolled over Jesus' tomb. They placed the stone so that there was no chance this man could get out. And Darius, the king, sealed it with his signet ring, meaning this decision cannot be reversed. And we know that Daniel uh, was lowered in to a hole covered by a grate in the top of the cave. There was an opening in the side and a hole at the top. That hole had a grate over it. And Daniel was lowered in through that grate by ropes. We know that he was lowered in because the Bible tells us that later he was lifted out. Quote, the king was overjoyed and gave orders to lift Daniel out of the den. Now think about this. Ropes are tied around your armpits and you are put over a hole. Down there is a den of ravenous, starving, 500-pound lions watching you come down. You're lowered in by ropes. In a nutshell, Daniel's religion got him in a den of trouble. 
And I want to tell you something. Your faith will get you in a den of trouble. It's, it's okay. God's in charge of the trouble. If you're really walking with God, you're going to suffer persecution in this world. If you're really walking with God, you're going to find out that this world does not love those that walk with God. And sometimes evil plans can be hatched against you. You can literally be lowered down into a den of lions, as it were, and face persecution. This is a story of persecution against a man of God who was persecuted for his faith. Now, people today often imagine a young, vigorous Daniel in the pit with the ferocious beast. We, we see these paintings of a younger Daniel facing these lions, and he looks all composed and unmoved and unrattled. But guess what? He was not a young man. He was an old man in his early 80s by now. His companions, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, had been tested in early youth. But Daniel's supreme test came in his old, frail years. His three young friends endured the fire for only a few moments, and they were taken out. But Daniel, an old man, endured the lion's den throughout the long hours, long hours where every minute seemed like an hour, every minute seemed like a day, long hours in a dark, cold cave of lions alone. Imagine being 85 years old and just as it starts to get dark out and cold with it, you're lowered into a lion's den, a fragile, frail man in his 80s. You can hear them roaring as you're lowered down. You smell the musty stench as you get closer to the bottom of that cave. It's hard enough to sleep with somebody who snores. How about several things that are roaring? Daniel knew full well, I guarantee you. Brilliant man, Daniel. Brilliant Jewish man. Brilliant in management. Brilliant in the Word of God. Brilliant in his intellect. He knew full well what was going to happen to him soon if he did not have a breakthrough. He needed a supernatural breakthrough it must have been such a long cold hard night for this old prophet of god but a breakthrough did come he said you know what i can't worship anything but my god i can't pray to anybody but my god so what he did when the edict was passed is he went straight to his house threw open all the shutters and got on his face and prayed before god facing towards jerusalem where everybody could see him. He knew he was busting himself. But he did it anyway. I'm going to pray. I don't care what anybody thinks. I'm going to pray and I don't care what they do to me. I'm going to pray. I don't care what arrows fly. I don't care if they throw me into a lion's den. My faith is more important than my life. I am going to pray. So let them see it. My faith is on display. Oh, that the church would be that way now. There's such a movement in the church currently to get along with everybody. Can't we just all get along? Can't we just compromise with one, with one another? We all worship the same God. We all worship the same, the, the same uh, uh, Messiah. It's just different names for different religions, but it's, it's all the same thing. Can't we all just get along? And it seems like the church has gotten to the place where... We believe it's a matter of compromise rather than standing for the faith once delivered to the saints. But Daniel didn't believe that. Daniel said, 
All right, the edict's been passed. If anybody prays to anyone but Darius, they're going to the lion's den, let me throw open the shutters. Let everyone see what I'm doing. Go ahead and look. I'm going to pray to my God. But I got good news for you. Daniel was not left alone in the lion's den. He would later testify to the king, my God sent his angel who shut the lion's mouths. What a powerful statement. He's lowered down. Finally, his feet touch the bottom. The ropes are taken out from under his armpits and they're brought back up. And there he stands. Lions starving. He hears them breathing. He hears them moving. He knows that if God doesn't move right now, right then, this moment, I'm gone. But he went down there by faith. He went down there trusting God. He realized that God will visit the pit where you sit. God will visit the pit where you sit. You're not in any pit that God will not join you in. I think in the words of David, I waited patiently for the Lord and he heard my cry. Where was David crying from? A horrible pit. He said, he brought me up also out of a horrible pit, out of the miry clay, and set my feet upon a rock. And he has put a new song in my mouth, even praise unto our God. Many will see it and fear and will trust in the Lord. What did David realize? He realized what Daniel realized and Joseph realized and all the other men and women of God in Scripture realized that when the enemy works you into a pit and you're surrounded by lions and it looks like it's over, it's never over until God has had His say. Because suddenly, we don't know what it was, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hazard a guess here. Suddenly, he was not alone in this pit. Suddenly, someone else walked into that pit with him. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego had the fourth man appear in the oven. And even the king said, it looks like the Son of God. Daniel said, the Lord sent his angel and he shut the lion's mouths. God didn't take the lions away. He just took away their power to hurt him. Some of you are around lions right now. Can I tell you, they may be breathing down your neck, but they can't hurt you because God will protect you. When I read about angels, when you read about angels in the Bible, almost every single time, as a matter of fact, every time that I know of, when an angel appeared, it was accompanied with brilliant piercing light. Acts 12, 7, Peter was in prison. He was to be martyred soon. And it says, suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared and a light shone in the cell. It lit up by angel power. Forget General Electric. Angel power lit it up. The Bible says also that as the shepherds were keeping watch over their flock by night, God sent a host of angels to herald the birth of Christ. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood by them, and the glory of the Lord flashed and shone all about them, and they were terribly frightened. See, here's what I believe happened. A dazzling angel appeared in the lion's den and lit it up. 
Suddenly it was light in there, whereas before it was gross darkness. And I believe those angels or those lions were totally and completely intimidated by the presence of the glory of God. Notice God didn't deliver him from the lion's den. He delivered him in the lion's den. He didn't take Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego out of the fire. He delivered them in the fire. And I want you to know that even though God may not have removed you from the lion's den, he's with you in the lion's den. And he's going to give you victory in the lion's den. He's going to show himself mighty in the lion's den. God was down there with him, and God will be with you in your trials and in your troubles. God will visit the pit where you sit. Now, think about it for a minute. We all live in a lion's cage, don't we? Right now. Whether or not you know it, you're in a lion's cage. The world is the cage, and the devil is the lion. Peter warned that we face an old, crafty, hungry lion. 1 Peter 5, 8. Be self-controlled. Be alert. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for somebody to eat alive, is the Greek language. Resisting, standing firm in the faith because you know that your brothers out in the world are undergoing the same kind of sufferings. We're all facing a ravening, roaring lion called the devil. And the world is his cage. We live in a lion's den of temptation. We live in a lion's den of persecution. We live in a lion's den of worldly troubles and cares. We live in a lion's den of deception and lies. We live in a den of lions that would eat us alive if God did not close their mouths. But I can almost hear God saying to Daniel that night, It's okay, son. Because of my power, the lion sleeps tonight. The lion sleeps tonight. Satan was the lion behind the lions, seeking to destroy this man of prayer and this man of prophecy. Now, when I see somebody experience a breakthrough like this, I want to know how they did it. I want to know why it happened. Sometimes you find that they maintained a correct faith posture, that because of a stand they took, then they experienced a breakthrough. Sometimes you see that it's because of prayer they had a breakthrough. What was it in Daniel's case that he had such an incredible breakthrough? Well, to answer the question, we've got to look at the man himself, what he was made of, what made him tick. Let me share a few things with you quickly. The first thing we see in Daniel is he chose conviction over comfort. He chose godly convictions over worldly comfort. Now listen carefully to me, church. The day is coming. We're going to have this choice. As a matter of fact, it's here now. It's time to choose conviction over worldly comfort. Daniel said, no way I'm going to cleave to comfort if I've got to give up my godly conviction." You see, somebody of lesser character may have said, well, hey, it's only for 30 days. I'll just tone my faith down, act like I'm praying to the king, and avoid the pit. Not Daniel. Daniel's godly convictions would not let him do that. He had deeply ingrained convictions. 
You know, when God gets into your heart, you get into the Word, and you go on with Him for a few years, you start developing some convictions that are non-negotiable, non-tradable, that you cannot ever walk away from. Daniel's convictions were, God is God and I will worship no other. He had the conviction, I will not cower to man's intimidation and threats. He had the conviction, there are some things worth dying for. And worship of the true God is one of them. I wonder how many of us would die for something. What would we die for? What would you die for? What would I die for? Daniel, this man of God, who didn't have the New Testament. He didn't have the Messiah. He didn't have the infilling of the Holy Spirit. None of what we have. Yet, he had walked with God from a child. And something happened to him as he walked with God in the excellence of the Spirit. It says he was of an excellent spirit. God created incredible character in this man. And he developed some non-negotiable convictions. Here they are. I'll die for my worship. I'll die before I'll worship any other God. I will die before I will cave into the fear of man. I will die before I give up the Word of God that is in me. I will give my life and I'll go in a really bad way if I've got to. It's the same thing that was in Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. It's the same thing that was in the disciples. Every one of them martyred, but one of them. It's been the same thing for all the martyrs who died all throughout history, drenching the, the, the horizon, drenching the landscape of history with martyrs' blood because they said there's some things worth dying for. And, and, and let me tell you, Jesus is worth living for and Jesus is worth dying for. And, and worshiping the one true God is worth living for and it's worth dying for. Character was more important to Daniel than comfort. He would rather give up comfort, give up security, and even life itself to stay true to his convictions. Right now, somebody's being martyred in this world because they refuse to give up the name of Jesus Christ. In Egypt right now, the so-called Arab Spring has been nothing but an excuse for radical Islam to slaughter Christians. And they're doing it right now. They're dying for their faith. Teenagers, adults, older folks, children who will not say, I renounce him, who will not say, I'll become a Muslim, who will not say, I reject Christianity. They're dying for it. There, there are some things that are non-negotiable, and that's what Daniel had. May God grant that our churches will be filled with Christians of unwavering, non-negotiable, steel-spine conviction. Now, the second thing we see in Daniel here, why he got a breakthrough, is that he chose discipline over disorder. Daniel is a disciplined man. You see this? As soon as they were brought into captivity, Daniel and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego told the Babylonian leadership, we will not eat your food. We will only eat the kind of food that God has taught us to eat. They had a strict discipline diet and they prospered and looked better than all of the other children in Babylon because they had discipline over their life. The Bible reveals that on hearing the new law, he prayed three times a day just as he had always done. If you wanted to find Daniel, you found him at nine in the morning in prayer, 
at noon in prayer and in the later afternoon in prayer. He never got more than four to six hours away from God. He was disciplined. Three times a day. And his holy habit of prayer stretched back to his boyhood. It was the steel cable that bound him in fellowship with God. Discipline. Discipline. Even in the red-hot hour of fiery persecution when Satan deliberately tried to steal away his devotional life, Daniel chose discipline over disorder. You can throw me into a lion's den? Go for it, but I will not give up prayer. Think about this. Who among us would not have said, well, I can take a 30-day break? But he said, not me. Oh, no. It's more important that I get with God in the next six hours than that I end up in a lion's den. Oh, folks. This separates the men from the boys. Who among us would say, if an edict came out and said, you go to church in the next month and you're going to be thrown in jail. Well, you know, I believe I feel led to head to the lake for the next month or so. How many of you would say, you know what? If they throw me in jail, let them throw me. I'm going to church and I'm going to worship my God. I don't care what comes my way. I don't care what they do. I've got a steel conviction. So Daniel said, oh, not, not only am I going to pray, but I'm going to throw open the shutters and let you see me. So here you go. All the windows open. I face Jerusalem and I'm praying. Come get me. God, they're on the way. I'm headed to the lion's den. Here I am. Here we go. God said, that's all right, I've got an angel standing by. The third thing I see in Daniel is this. He chose his personal Savior over his personal safety. Amen. He chose his personal Savior. He chose love over life. How does Daniel respond to this new diabolical law that you couldn't pray to anybody but the king? He had to make a choice. Savior over safety. Will I choose my love for God, my relationship with God, my time spent with the one who's more important to me than life itself? Will I choose love for my Savior or will I choose to save my life? Daniel's decision to put the Savior over safety is just like what Jesus talked about when he said all who want to save their lives will lose them but all who lose their lives because of me will save them. He had a prayer life that couldn't be shaken. He had a love for God that was more important than anything else in his life. So he said, I choose love for him over life. I choose my personal Savior over my personal safety. Lord, I'm in your hands. I'm going to the den. I'm in your hands. The lions are going to be there, but I'm in your hands. Lord, I'm going in by faith and not by doubt. I cannot do what they're asking. I will not give up. It's non-negotiable. My walk with you, my love for you, my holy habits are non-negotiable. So here I go. And I got to tell you, the parallel between Daniel's deliverance from the den of lions and the resurrection of Jesus Christ cannot be missed. Daniel coming out of the lion's den alive and well is a type and shadow of Jesus coming out of the grave as King of kings and Lord of lords. Because when he went down into that den of lions, he was as good as dead. He was figuratively dead. 
but he came out of the grave in victory over the lions. Now watch this. Jesus was indeed dead, but came out of the tomb in resurrection glory, victorious over the lions, Satan. They put a rock over Daniel's den of lions. They put a rock over Jesus' tomb. Daniel came out victorious over the lion. Jesus came out victorious over the great lion, Satan. Death could not take Daniel and death could not take Jesus. Jesus, resurrection, vindicated him. You say, I don't believe in Jesus. Well, what do you do with the resurrection? Well, I just think he was a good man. He doesn't allow you that. What do you do with the resurrection? Listen, a dead man was raised from the dead. He came out of a tomb, buried for three days and nights, wrapped in grave clothes. What do you do with that? When Jesus came out of the grave, everything he ever said was vindicated, validated, settled, solidified, cemented in history. When Daniel stepped out of the lion's den, he also was vindicated totally. Everything about him was made to shine as God honored this man who had faithfully honored God in front of the entire world. What did the king say? From now on, this whole kingdom must worship the God of Daniel. What a testimony. And what happened to those people that hatched the plan? The Bible says, He that rolls a stone, it'll return upon him. Remember that old Roadrunner cartoon? You remember that old Roadrunner cartoon where the Wiley Coyote, wasn't that his name, was always after Roadrunner? Meep, meep. You remember him? And, and he was always at the top of a cliff with this big boulder. And here comes Roadrunner running through the valley. And he lets the boulder go. Roadrunner outruns it. It goes up, down into the valley, up the next hill, back down again, back up, goes up in the air and crashes down on Wiley Coyote. That's what happens to people who hatch an evil plan against God's people. Because these that hatch the plan... The king turned to them when Daniel said, God sent his angel and delivered me. He brought Daniel out. He said, go get every one of those that hatched the plan and bring their children with them. And down into the den they went and there was no angel to shut their mouths. And by, before they hit the bottom, they were lion food. Here's the summary. When God saw the kind of faith that said, I choose conviction over comfort. Discipline over disorder. Savior over safety. God said, I've got to break through for that person. My message to you today is stay strong in your convictions. If the lions are growling, if they're breathing down your neck, if you're in a den of lions and it looks like there's no way out, there is. God will send His angel. Something will happen and God will bring you out and what looks bad will be made to work for His good. Can we stand together? God is good all the time. Father, we just thank You right now. Now everybody who is here today who might be in a den of lions, you just feel like you're surrounded. And you don't know what to do, where to turn. I want to pray for you before we go today. Would you just slip your hand up and say, Pastor Jeff, I don't know how to get out. There's a stone over the opening. 
I just feel like I'm trapped. There's a den of lions. And I need something to happen to shut their mouths and bring me out. I want you to raise your hand. I'm going to pray for a breakthrough for you today. Many people throughout this house. Father, in the name of Jesus, we pray that you will move on behalf of everyone in this place. Lord, send a breakthrough. Send an angel. Send a word. Open a door that no man can shut. Shut a door that no man can open. Lord, we give to you every person in a den of lions today. And those of us who may experience that one day. Those struggling in a marriage that looks like there's no way out. No answer, no solution to the trouble. Those, Lord, that have no money. Those that are struggling to get by who have no job, who feel closed in. And the lions are roaring and it looks like it's not good. Lord, those who have had people actually turn on them because of their faith. And they've lowered them into this den of lions. And want their destruction. I pray in the name of Jesus that you will move. Lord, bring a word in season. Part the waters. Now I want you to say with me, Lord Jesus, I give to you this lion's den. Lion's den of temptation. Lion's den of trouble. I give it to you. And I'm asking you, Lord, to deliver me. I'm asking you to strengthen me in the den. Send your victory in the midst of the trouble. God says He's preparing a table before you in the presence of your enemies. Don't give up and don't walk away. Don't put up the white flag and don't say, He hasn't heard me. God has heard you. And God will answer you. Stay true. Say with David, I would have fainted unless I had believed. I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. You're going to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. In Jesus' mighty name. Now can we just have a thank session and just say thank you, Lord, for hearing me. Just thank you, Lord, for hearing me.